This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. Pierce. Buries it. Tatum drives down and throws it down. This is my MC. What's up, what's up, what's up? How we doing, how we doing? And welcome to episode 184, episode 184 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? It's been a while. Hope you're doing okay. I am not. Anyways, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, I'm part of the Big Night Media team with some great podcasts like Boston Uncommon with Joe Maz, Drinks After Work, I'm the Promoter, He's the DJ, Eat the Damn Cake, The Hobby, Be Fit, Burnt Toast, Dirty Flirty and Surviving, Rambling with the Purpose, A Chance to Strive, Music You're Missing, and so many other great podcasts. You can always check out Big Night Breaks if you are into sports cards. Uh, every single weeknight, Instagram, YouTube, whatnot, Facebook, you name it, they're on it. And if you don't like the social media stuff, head on down to their amazing top four voted in the country. Voting opens up in July, fall at Card Vault. But go to the Card Vault down at Patriot Place, one of the four best card sports card stores in america you gotta go foxborough massachusetts chris costa and his team have done a great job you can always follow big night media on instagram at big night media to win free tickets to big night live through timmy ticket tuesday seems like a pretty good guy and you can always get your banner branch podcast merchandise at bignightshop.com so before we begin and if i get emotional i apologize but i would just like to thank each and every single one of you for listening. I don't care if this is your third episode, your 103rd episode, your 184th episode listening to this podcast, whether you're subscribed or not subscribed, you should be subscribed. So go subscribe. Thanks so much. Leave a rating too while you're at it. But this has been the most successful season of the Banner Banter podcast to date. Uh, We started off at episode 134 this season. And this is 184, so what, 50, 51 episodes? What a ride. I was a guest on a couple other Celtics podcasts this season. I have a, I had a radio commercial on the freaking Sports Hub. I did watch parties. It was insane. Um, my average listens per episode went up. So seriously, from the bottom, and I mean the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for listening to this idiotic, overdramatic, over-the-top 15 plus year season ticket holder that is me um i struggle with mental health i struggle with depression and this is a crazy crazy good outlet for me to just talk about something that i love when the boston celtics aren't around i am sad when the boston celtics are around and they play terrible basketball i am also sad but doing this podcast having people text me great episode loved it you were so funny you were so wrong 
it really means a lot to me. So I'm going to shut up now. Well, not shut up. We still have a whole podcast, but I'm going to shut up with all the thank yous um, because I could go on forever. So seriously, thank you for listening. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe, leave a rating. That only means bigger and better things for the podcast. So thank you to everyone over at Big Night Media, Joe, Logan, Hurley. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting so many other people, Josh, but basically everyone for helping me out. I really, really, really appreciate it. I love this podcast so much. I thought about not doing it after this season just because of how busy I am with work, but I ain't going to stop. So sorry to break your heart. But anyways, um, since this is the last episode of the season, I might as well um, have a brand new segment for you. Um, Obviously, the Game 6 loss was tough for me. Um, So here is a brand new segment for all of us to hopefully get through the Celtics losing in the NBA Finals. The seven stages of grieving with your Celtics therapist, Timmy G. Yes, that is right. I am going to be your Celtics therapist, and we are going to go through the seven stages of grief, seven stages of grieving, whatever you want to call it. Here we go. This is everything that I've been dealing with since Thursday. Number one, fear. Fear is right up there. Are we going to have to wait another 12 years for the Boston Celtics to go to the finals since the last time they went was 2010? Is this team just a one-hit wonder? Who knows? Number two, anger. This team pissed me off during the fourth quarter of Game 4, where they could have won up 3-1, and they didn't. All of Game 5 and all of Game 6. This team is still very soft. This team was very tired, as they should be, an incredible playoff run. This team didn't show the heart that it needed to to win the NBA Finals, and that's okay. Number three, denial. I'm still not over it. I'm still not over the fact the Boston Celtics didn't take care of the basketball, and they had stupid turnovers, dumb, like, high school-like plays. And that's the reason why they lost this series. Obviously, that's very infuriating. Number four, acceptance. I'm accepting the fact that this team played unreal basketball, but just really and truly wasn't ready for the stage. Number five, confusion. What happened to Jason Tatum? Was he tired? Did he just play two bad weeks of basketball at the wrong time? But let's be honest. Jason Tatum was not playing his best basketball in this series. But for the people bashing Tatum for these last two weeks and ignoring what he did to get this team to this point is beyond confusing to me and I am confused on his obsession towards Kobe Bryant hopefully that will stop because I think at this point he may not get to that mamba mentality that he's really never shown before number six despair because of the turnovers the lack of heart the going through the motions the fact that they can't hold big leads in big moments I am I am not having a lot of hope that this team can change but hopefully they can and then finally celebration listen this team had an insane summer getting rid of Kemba Evan Danny, Brad as the coach, and added new pieces like Al, Derek, and Tice. They went through injuries. They sucked at times. They were awful at times. No one cared about this team, but for someone like myself, and I know a few others that stuck it out, no matter what the situation, the fact that this team made it to the NBA Finals, we should celebrate that. This team grew up. This team accepted some tough loving from their coach, and a lot of their players got better. And this team, minus Al, is still very young. The loss sucks. To be honest with you, the loss fucking blows it kills it's heartbreaking but this was a very successful season for the boston celtics even though it ended in major disappointment and that is it for your therapy session of grieving after the boston celtics lost the nba finals now what are, what am i going to talk about the rest of the way 
Again, this podcast is going to be short and sweet. I really don't want to talk about the Celtics because it still hurts. I'll be honest, it still hurts. But what does each member of this team have to work on this summer so we can actually raise Banner 18? Because I'm sick of talking about it's all about 18. I want to talk about it's all about 19 and 20 and 21. Anyways, so first off, let's start off with Ime Adoka. Right off the bat, uh, you know, I admitted early or halfway through the season Clearly, this team needed a new voice. I thought Brad was a great coach. If you still don't think Brad Stevens was a great coach, you're an idiot. The players just needed a new, fresh voice. They needed someone that would be honest with them and yell at them. And I give Ime Adoka all the props in the world. With that being said, something that Ime can fix is those in-game adjustments. What can he do to make this team play better on the fly if they're shitting themselves with a big lead? Can he still yell at these guys and motivate them? Or is this just going to be like a one-and-done type of thing where Ime has a great great attitude towards him and they're like, all right, well, now he knows. Now he knows about us. We know about him. We're good. Hopefully everything works out. Also, what happens with Ime Odoka's staff? Will Joe Hardy, one of the most one of the more popular and well-respected assistant coaches in the league. Is he going to go out and get a head coaching gig? That's going to be a big blow. But now Ime's got another a full year under his belt. He played in the NBA for a, a good chunk of change, but he's got one year under his belt for coaching. Will he maybe go after the officials more, try and work the game a little bit more? So I really think for Ime, it's going to be about in-game adjustments. And then let's start with the players. Jason Tatum. Incredible season. First team All-NBA. Playmaking was off the charts. He did exactly what I asked for him last summer. Get others involved. Stop, you know, so much iso ball. And he did that. Probably did that a little bit too much in the NBA Finals, to be honest with you. But that's okay. But for me, it's that killer instinct. When the shots aren't falling, letting the world know he is All-NBA in the playoffs and just not the regular season. To me, this upcoming season is the most important season of Jason Tatum's career because, let's be honest, he threw out a big dud of the NBA Finals. If I were to do stud and dud of the NBA Finals, the stud would be Jalen Brown and the dud would be Jason Tatum. He didn't have that killer instinct and that heart and that will to win the games. Now, to be fair to Jason Tatum, that motherfucker played a lot of basketball. And that dude, that phenomenal basketball player, played so much basketball and played so well He in traveling back and forth. And then, listen, I'm not making excuses. I'm sitting the obvious. I, I think it was going into the NBA Finals, Clay Thompson played like the second most minutes uh, in the playoffs, and Jason Tatum played 200 more minutes than him. It was something absolutely banana land like that. So Tatum was tired. Tatum tried his best. It wasn't his best performance, but Tatum needs to like get that instinct where I am the best player on the floor, and I am going to kill you, and I am going to win this game, okay? Then you have Jalen Brown. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Ball handling. End of story. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. I mean, I will say this. Jalen Brown's Game 6 performance in the NBA Finals is something I won't forget for a, a, a while it was unbelievable he was just like fuck this i'm not losing like this he tried his best it just didn't work out no one else really helped him but in the playoffs jalen brown averaged three and a half assists per game and 3.1 turnovers per game that ain't gonna fucking cut it so jalen brown needs to improve his ball handling skills and his free throw shooting for the love of god 
Then you have Al Horford. Al Horford, I mean, staying in shape, being healthy, he ain't getting older. And as we've seen, Al's health is very important to this team. And to be honest with you, I don't think Rob's going to be playing a lot of minutes to start this season or this upcoming season. I think they're going to try and rest up that knee as best as possible so he's ready to go for the second half of the season and hopefully another deep playoff run. So Al needs to keep his body in shape. But besides that, I mean, Al's three-point shooting was fine. I think he actually had the best three-point shooting percentage of anyone over the age of 35 in the NBA Finals, or it was something like that. So... You know, do we maybe want Al to back down in the post more? Sure. Do we maybe want some of his passing to come back? Do we see more of point Al next year? Who knows? But I really and truly think that Al staying in shape and being healthy is very important. And speaking of Rob Williams, Rob Williams, just shout out to you, man, as a as a fan from day one where I got a lot of slack from a lot of people. You know, he showed up late. He wasn't developing quickly enough. Rob Williams was phenomenal this year. One of the most important players on this Celtics team. But here's the thing. Rob needs, even though he was a phenomenal defender and gave it his all during these playoffs, his knee has probably told Rob to go fuck himself a thousand times. And Rob said, no, 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 knee, fuck you. I'm going to go play for this team. And I'll, and I'll, ugh, I respect Rob so much for that. But here's the thing. Rob needs to help out more on the offensive end. Whether that's a pick and pop, a pick and roll, where you can hit like a little elbow jumper, maybe a 10 or 12 foot jumper versus just catching lobs. Would love to really see him get a jumper going, a quicker release. Because, you know, if you watch Rob take a jump shot during the game, that is a slow release. So hopefully... Damon Stoudemire, Joe Hardy, Ime, whoever the case may be, will really and truly try and help Rob help this team offensively. And speaking of offensively, I think we saw the best season Marcus Smart will ever play. I don't think he's going to get any better. I also don't think he's going to get a lot worse either. But he needs to play better at the point guard role. He did pretty well, but there is clearly room for growth. It was his first year in that point guard role. And I think Marcus can improve on making the offense better when he's on the floor, making the right pass instead of the cute pass. Obviously, he can improve his shooting. You know, there are times where it looks great. There are other times it doesn't. And ugh. Marcus also has to stop with the antics. Mar- Marcus Smart got benched in Game 6, not because he had three fouls, but because he was playing like a complete and utter asshat and let Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, Gary Payton the second, all those guys get in his head, and you can't do that when you're the team leader. You, you just can't do it at all. So Marcus really needs to improve in that aspect of the game. And number 12, <laughs> I, okay, let me just say this real quick. Because, you know, it was a successful season for the Celtics. Number 12 clearly improved. But ever since, number 12 dropped that 27-point game against the Bucks. To all you number 12 fans, what the fuck has he done since? Don't worry, I'll wait. Yeah, crickets. That's what I thought. So for number 12, continue to improve and learn it's okay to not just stand in the corner for an entire possession. I think that's pretty fair on my end. And learn how to jump. Uh, Peyton Pritchard just need more consistency in his jump shot. If that ain't going to happen, he needs to learn how to be a true point guard because this team does need a backup point guard. I don't think Derek White's it. Um, Not because I don't think Derek White's a great player. I think Derek White is a good player. I just don't think he's the 
backup point guard for this team. So if Peyton Pritchard's shot won't be consistent, clearly he's a negative on the defensive end because of his height and his body size and all that. But he has to be a true point guard and get others involved and start instead of playing iso ball so much. Do you, you get what I'm saying? Great, thanks. And then you have DW9. For me, it's just driving kicks. I think he's one of the best drivers. He attacks the rim very well, better than really probably almost anyone else on the team. But when the time gets tough, when the other teams like collapse on him, he needs to learn to know where his teammates are. And that will obviously help with another full summer, another full season under their belt together, which is great. And and obviously, we want Derek's, Derek White's shot to improve as well. Like, that's obvious. Um, but overall, I I had really no complaints with Derek White. I knew going in he wasn't the best shooter. I knew he was a good defender. I thought he defended the ball very well. He stepped up in big times. I mean, if you think about it, Game 1 and Game 2 of the NBA Finals, Marcus Smart was on the bench because Derek White was playing that well. So it'll be very, very interesting to see how Ime plays DW9 and Marcus Smart going forward. Then you have Daniel Tice. Will he stay on the team? Will be he? Will he be in a throw? Like will be? Will he be thrown in into a trade? Um, if Brad Stevens wants to do that, does Brad try and sell Marcus Smart high because Marcus Smart had the best season of his career? DW9 was very impressive. Very impressive in the NBA Finals. But if Daniel Tice. Yeah, uh, stays, he's going to have to be ready for some massive minutes because I'm telling you, I really and truly think that Rob is going to play a lot in October, November, and December. Will he play here and there? Absolutely. But I really think the Celtics are going to monitor the living hell out of that knee, as they should. And then finally, uh, player-wise, you have Aaron Neesmith. Clearly, Ime didn't like what he saw in Aaron Neesmith this year. You know, at times, Aaron Neesmith's defense was good. His energy was there. But that's not why they drafted him. He, you know, he stated that you know, in his exit interviews that he knows he's an unbelievable shooter, he's a sharpshooter and all that. I just haven't seen it. Maybe he's showing it in practice, but I don't know. And then finally, you have Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens has a lot of work to do. This is where I know a lot of people like to listen to the podcast where I kind of spiral into who I hope they get, need, want, all that. So get comfy. This is going to be about four or five minutes of me spiraling into the deep, dark hell of the salary cap and who I think the Celtics could go after. So Brad Stevens clearly does have a lot of work to do. The Celtics are very, very close, as we saw. They were two wins away from winning the NBA Finals. The Celtics have more trade exceptions than any team in the league. They have nine exceptions. And so you're probably saying to yourself, Timmy G, what the fuck is a trade exception? Let Let me put it this way. It's basically trading away small salary players and draft picks to bring in larger salary players without without it affecting the salary cap. Example being this. Let's say we wanted to bring back Stand By Your Man Marcus Morris. Okay? If you listen to the podcast for a while, we all know I'm a big fan of Marcus Morris, the basketball player. Maybe not the human being, but the basketball player. So Stand By Your Man Marcus Morris. And he's on the Clippers right now. And he's worth $17.1 million. Again, example, because I don't know how much he's worth off the top of my head. The Celtics could trade, let's say, Aaron Neesmith in two second-round picks for Marcus Morris while using their $17.1 million trade exception that they got from the Evan Fournier trade last offseason. Now, that's an example because it, it it's more than just an example because it is real life. And I would love that. Uh, I, I think that would be a great deal because he's a pretty good scorer. He can... He can defend. He will bring tough, toughness, veteran leadership. A lot of guys on the on the team like him. I mean, can you imagine a Jalen Brown, Marcus Morris, Rob Williams, 
Um, yeah, what? Jalen, Marcus, Rob, Marcus Morris, Marcus. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a massive brain fart right now. Sorry, because there's so many Marcuses. So I really think a badass tough lineup would be Jalen, Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris, Derek White, and Rob Williams. That'd be tough to score on. But here's the thing. Let's say Marcus Morris makes $18.2 million this year. The Celtics cannot trade for him because he does not fit within that exception. The player's salary has to fit within the exception. So if a player makes $13 million a year and the Celtics want to use the trade exception that they have for $17.1 million, they cannot use the additional $4 million. It's a one-and-done deal. Okay? Here's the thing. Out of the, the six out of those nine exceptions that the Celtics do have, which are, again, are the most in the NBA, six of them are $2.1 million or less. So let's be honest, those really won't be used at all. So obviously you have the, um, oh God, why am I having, the Evan Fournier one for uh, 17.1. Then you have the Hernan Gomez one from February for 6.9. And then you have the Dennis Schroeder one at 5.9. Each exception has a one year expiration date from when the trade was made. So the Hernan Gomez one is due or will expire in January of 2023. And the Dennis Schroeder one or Schroeder, however you pronounce it, will be February of 2023. The interesting part is the Evan Fournier exception has to be used by July 18th of this year. So literally in less than a month, Brad Stevens has to use it. The Celtics also have a six, uh, about a six and a half million dollar tax player mid-level exception, which again, I don't want to spiral and annoy you, but this could be used in a player like Kevin Looney. Yes, the guy from the Warriors that beat us with a million offensive rebounds because the Warriors have to figure out where they're going to, what they're going to do with Poole and Gary Payton and um, extending some other young players on those teams. And the Celtics were interested in him before. He's a veteran guy. He's guaranteed all that money. He can come over for a one-year deal, try to prove himself, and then go get a big contract. So that could be interesting as well. So in my opinion, who should the Celtics and Brad Stevens and Ime Adoka be looking at? Of course, you have standby your man Marcus Morris, shot 43% from the field last year, over 15 points per game. But the issue is the Celtics never gave him a call when he was a free agent the some, his last season with the Celtics. So he probably isn't the biggest fan of the Celtics. And that's why he signed with the Clippers. But then again, that was with Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge didn't make that call. Brad Steven coached him. So maybe if Brad calls, maybe the Clippers are willing to make a deal. Another Clipper that could be interesting for this team is Luke Kennard, the lefty sharpshooter from the Clippers, also went to Duke. I'm not biased. <laughs> uh, he's clearly better than Aaron Neesmith. He's he's proven in the NBA. He you know, got traded to the Clippers to help them out for a long playoff run to back up PG-13 or fill in minutes for Kawhi, not saying defensively, but he can score off the bench, good size. I wouldn't say he's the perfect 3 and D for this team, but he is a good 3 and D guy to possibly have. You can also talk about Jordan Clarkson, sixth man of the year. Quinn Snyder left the Jazz. He doesn't want to coach them anymore. There's a bunch of rumors going around in the NBA that the Jazz might blow it up. His contract fits in the exception. So that could be someone they could look into. You always have Terrence Ross from the Magic, which for whatever reason every Celtics fan loves. I don't agree with it. You could throw it towards Alec Burke from the Knicks. You know, he's a very streaky shooter, but a veteran who can help this team off the bench would understand his role. You have Kelly Oubre, again, a very good offensive player, but horrific defensively. I'm not a big fan of his, but I would understand why the Celtics would want to add him. 
maybe someone like um, Josh Hart, you know, who played for the Pelicans but was part of that C.J. McCollum deal out in Portland. He's someone I would love, 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 love on this team. He can play the point guard. He's a pretty good rebounder. He can shoot the three. He's a good defender. Um, he can score at will. I, I really like him. You also have someone like Larry Nance Jr. He'd be a nice backup center just in case Daniel Tice leaves. So, the thing is, the reason why I'm so focused on like a 3 and D guy like a Clarkson or a standby your man Marcus Morris or Luke Kennard is because Jason and Jalen can't be playing all these minutes again. They can't. They they both looked exhausted. It was it was bad. It was really bad. And who knows if Aaron Neesmith can improve. So that's going to be something very interesting. And I also think that Brad needs to focus on a backup big man this this season for for Rob and Al. Like if if Tice ain't cutting it, I know Tice has his moments of being good and then Tice has his moments of being bad. Number twelve is not going to be your backup center. I know the NBA is going small ball, but like nope. I'd rather find a trainer rope and do the math. Do they go after someone like Mobamba, maybe uh Javel McGee, who played pretty well for the um off the bench for the Suns this season. So that'll be interesting, um, because, you know, you can't have Luke Cornett play a lot, you know, no offense to Luke Cornett, but I really and truly think Rob is going to miss some time and you really need to save Rob um, and Al for the postseason run. So if those guys need some extra days off, you're going to need some big men to really kind of help out outside of Daniel Tice. So I really think another backup big would, would be nice here. And the, one other note, Jalen Brown can sign an extension with the team this October. He won't. I mean, if he does, thank you but it'd be pretty stupid for him to do that because he, he could lose out on over $100 million when he signs possibly a max deal if he makes All-NBA or hits certain incentives and things like that. So Brad has a lot of options to do. They only have one pick this year. It's a second-round pick. It's number 53 towards the end of the draft. So I'm really not going to dive deep into any draft stuff because they could trade it you know, and use the trade exception and all that. So f- yes... I would really like Brad Stevens to use the exception before July 18th. Yes, please try and get a, you know, three and D wing. Yes, let's get another big man too. But let's remember this: the Boston Celtics paid 138 million dollars for this team that went to the NBA Finals this year. The winning team in the NBA Finals, the Golden State Warriors, spent 363 million dollars. So, basically, 225 million dollars more than the Celtics, give or take. The Celtics are in a good spot. Maybe not a great spot, but a very good spot. The East is only going to get tougher. What's going to happen with the Nets? Are the 76ers going to help out and beat Chris Middleton coming back from uh, injury for the Bucks? Are the Heat going to get Donovan Mitchell? A lot can change this summer. We know that. It's the NBA. It's wild offseason. But the Celtics are in a very good spot. Brad knows it. Wick knows it because he's probably going to have to spend some money over the tax. Ime knows it, the players know it, the fans know it, and listen, it's all about Banner 18. Thanks so much for listening this season. We'll talk soon. Say it with me now. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.